As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, this is Justin Coletti of Sonic Scoop. Thanks for joining me for this week's episode of the Sonic Scoop podcast. And today we are going to be talking about the five biggest hip hop mixing mistakes you can make. Last week I did something all about rock mixing. We did the 10 biggest rock mixing mistakes. Now it's all about hip hop. Do you want to hear more podcast episodes like this one? Let me know what genre you want me to do in the comments down below if you're on YouTube or if you're on one of the audio only versions. Just shoot me an email, podcast at sonicscoop.com. As a mastering engineer, I work across genres. I don't specialize in one genre. I've mastered a lot of rock records, a lot of pop records, a lot of EDM records, and a lot of hip-hop records. And hip-hop is always fun because I always get to hear so many different styles of hip-hop from so many different clients. And we talk about what they want their record to sound like. People are always throwing totally different sounding records at me. And that is going to be a big part of the number one mistake that we're going to get into in just a second in hip-hop mixing. Before we get deep into this episode and I reveal all five of these mistakes and give you actionable takeaways, things you can do instead to not mess up your hip-hop mixes, the only thing I've got to do is give the briefest of shout-outs to our sponsors. This is a podcast. How are podcasts free? Because we got sponsors. And the biggest, most important sponsor on this one is you. You want to sponsor this podcast? Just hit like, subscribe if you're on the YouTube version, or consider giving us a rating and review if you're on one of the audio-only versions like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. But the best way to sponsor this podcast, sponsor yourself. Check out our great full-length courses like Mixing Breakthroughs, where we go deep across a variety of genres. Listen to a whole bunch of tracks together to hear what makes them tick, what makes them work. But even more importantly, we'll give you a framework, a roadmap to mixing, so you know exactly what to do in what order so that your creativity and confidence can go up while your time to complete each mix goes way, way down. Check that one out with a full money-back guarantee over at mixingbreakthroughs.com. Or if you prefer to learn everything that I know about mastering, you can check out my full-length course on mastering, Mastering Demystified, over at masteringdemystified.com. Or if you want to get a real handle on compression and limiting, check out the full-length course, Compression Breakthroughs. It will cut down your learning curve dramatically for finally figuring out how to hear, understand, and use compression like a pro. More about our branded sponsors later, but I'll just give a quick mention that this week's episode is sponsored by Sound Toys, making some of my favorite creative mixing effects out there. Check out anything they make for free for 30 days at soundtoys.com. Focusrite, talking to a lovely Claret interface right now. Their whole line of interfaces, some of the best bang for the buck stuff out there. And all of them come with the Hitmaker expansion bundle that give you a whole bunch of great tools that you can use in every single mix you do. 
Last but not least, if you want something for free, before we get into this free podcast episode, I got some free plugins for you. Check them out over at gpu.audio slash sonicscoop, where you can get early access to a free convolution reverb and very shortly a whole suite of free plugins that run on the GPU in your computer. Check out their open beta now for a limited time, totally free at gpu.audio slash sonicscoop. It's gpu.audio slash sonicscoop. All right, without further ado, let's get right into this week's episode. This episode is for people who were both born and bred in hip-hop and people who are engineers and producers who are finding themselves with hip-hop clients working on hip-hop mixes, hip-hop masters, and just not knowing exactly what to do with them or how to approach them. If you're in either camp, I think you're going to get a lot out of this week's episode. Believe it or not, I played in actually live hip-hop bands when I was in high school played bass and drums and did breakdancing. It was an MC. I did that in addition to playing in rock bands. So kind of weird. And I've kind of been into hip hop since I was a teenager, but I got away from it for a while in my twenties and then started getting back into it later in my mixing days. And then my mastering days when I got more and more hip hop clients, I worked as an assistant engineer and an engineer working on hip hop sessions in studios for a long, long time at the beginning of my career. But I kind of moved over to doing more indie rock and rock and pop tracks. And then when I got into mastering, found myself working on hip hop tracks again. And before we get into the big mistakes on hip hop mixing, I got to give you the one thing I've learned on being in tons of hip hop sessions back in the day and sometimes with amazing hip hop artists. I remember Jadakiss coming to the studio one day when I was in my early 20s and hearing him compared to everyone else I'd heard spin in front of a mic for the first time. I was like, whoa, that's why you sound good. You're good at this. So that's a big thing. Having an amazing talent in there with an amazing vocal helps solve so much of your mixing problems in hip hop by making people not really care about the mix so much because the rapper on the track is really, really good. So that's one huge, huge thing about getting great sounding hip hop mixes. Get with a great great hip-hop artist and work with producers who are producing great hip-hop tracks. That solves so many issues, but that can't be the end of the podcast, right? Just like work with better talent and your records will sound better. No, we're going to give you some ideas about what you can fix in your actual records, the things to avoid, the things to do better. And one of the things that I love about relearning hip-hop as a mastering engineer is I meet so many new clients, a lot of times just virtually, sometimes in person. And the first thing I ask all of my clients is, let me hear some of your favorite records. I want to know what they sound like so I know what we're going for. I want to get them in my ear along with you. And this brings me to the first big mistake around hip-hop mixing, and that is not knowing what hip-hop records sound like in the style of hip-hop that you're doing. This is absolutely huge. It sounds like it should be obvious, but there are so many people who are trying to mix or master hip-hop records for clients who do not listen to hip-hop records in that style. And you absolutely have to. If you're just going to go based on assumptions of what master should sound like, forget about it. It's not going to work. And here's another thing. Even if you're into hip-hop and you've been into hip-hop for your whole life, have you actually listened to great-sounding hip-hop and rap records in your studio, in the actual room that you're going to be doing the mixing in? Because I have met lifelong fans of hip-hop. They 
do a mix. Then they send me their mix to master. I ask them, look, what are your, some, some of your favorite records that you really wish you could knock as hard on those records? It's going to sound amazing next to them. They'll give me a list of a bunch of references. I'll listen to the mix and say, man, this is just mixed totally differently than all of these favorite records that you have. It's almost like you forgot to consult music you actually like in your room before you started mixing this record. And I know that's actually a really common thing for a lot of people who are on the newer side of producing and mixing. People are often afraid to use references or they don't think they want to use references because they don't want to copy anybody else. I totally get it. But the reality is, and I said this in the big rock mixing mistakes one as well, sooner or later, you're going to reference your record against your favorite sounding, most impressive, most resonant hip-hop records out there. And you think it's better to do that now before you get started mixing or after you're done when now you can't do anything about it. Do it before. Listen to great sounding hip-hop records and not just great sounding hip-hop records, hip-hop records in your style, in your space before you get started. Because here's a big thing. Lil Wayne records sound nothing like Tribe Called Quest records, which sound nothing like most Jay-Z records. And then you take that and you compare it to some really tight-sounding old-school hip-hop like Run DMC or Slick Rick, and it's, again, a totally different world. So watch the general flavor and style of hip-hop we're working in. Get that stuff in your ear. And don't be led astray by mixes and masters from other genres or just other styles of hip-hop. Also, don't use as references your friend's crappy mixtapes that aren't very good. That's not what you're trying to be. You're trying to sound as good as your favorite commercial releases by your favorite artists. So you can't just be listening to amateur beats that come through your studio and comparing your work to those because they'll encourage you to make the exact kinds of mistakes that we're going to talk about in this episode. All right, so that's the big one that establishes the general framework. Now let's get into the concrete stuff. The second big hip-hop mixing mistake is getting the kick drum wrong. And this can mean so many different things. But I'll give you the few ways that people often get the kick drum wrong. One of the mistakes that people make when they're mixing hip-hop is they treat the kick drum like just another element that's supposed to blend into the larger mix. And it's like, no. If you listen to most hip-hop records, that's not what the kick drum sounds like. The kick drum usually, most of the time, pokes out of the mix. It is treated like a lead instrument in the mix. It doesn't want to be just part of the background wash of the track. It wants to be possibly your loudest and most featured element in the entire mix. It's not necessarily number one, but it's up there. In a hip-hop mix, it is usually kick drum and vocal often are your two almost lead instruments in the style. There are some exceptions here. It could be snare and vocal in a slightly poppier sounding hip-hop track. There's often a main sample that'll have a really important featured role, but kick drum is usually up there as a tier one instrument. And one of the biggest problems that people have when they're mixing hip-hop is that they'll let their bass 
get in the way of their kick drum. And in like 80% of cases, about 80% or more of great sounding hip hop records, the kick should be more dominant than the bass. If anything, the bass's job is to stay out of the way of the kick and every once in a while supplement or augment the kick. And if you really listen to a bunch of hip-hop records on a good big system that reproduces low frequencies well, you'll get that feeling. That kick is primary, bass is secondary, 80% of the time or more. There may be some rare exceptions to this where there's a somewhat busy or interesting bass line, and maybe there's a more tight and knocky kick that kind of supports that bass line, or maybe there's a really indistinct kick that kind of helps support a more melodic low bass line. Those things can happen, but that's like the 20%. The 80% is keep the bass out of the way of the kick drum, and sometimes you even end up taking low end off of the bass to keep it out of the way of the kick drum. Or sometimes the bass is something that's almost felt more than heard that is just an occasional supplementing low frequency to kind of lift the kick drum further on certain hits, on certain downbeats. So those are some of the ways that you can go wrong with mixing your kick. Just not featuring it enough, not letting it poke out of the mix enough, letting your bass get in the way of it, treating it like just any other instrument. And the other big thing around your kick drum is just not spending the time to get an awesome sounding kick sample for your track. You should be building the sonics of your track to a significant degree around the tone of that kick drum. It is a cornerstone of the track. You may not get the exact kick sound you want until you start layering samples or augmenting it with a synth. A lot of great kick drums in hip-hop have more than one element going into them, all forming a new, interesting, and unique, cohesive whole. And something you've got to do to really develop an ear for what great kick drums sound like is listen to a whole bunch of them in your studio, and when you can, steal kick drums from your favorite records, even if they're not a totally isolated sample. Steal it, listen to it, isolate it, like write down, think about what makes this kick drum sound a different way. Look at it in a frequency analyzer. Start developing a sense memory for all the different types of kick drums there are. And don't settle for just hearing the kick drums that come with your Reason library or your FL Studio library or whatever loops came with whatever DAW you're using. Go to your favorite records and really chop out, listen to, and analyze their kick drums and start figuring out why they sound the way that they do and how and why yours sound different. This is part of your job now. If you are into producing, mixing, mastering hip-hop records, this is the kind of thing you got to think about. All right, mistake number two is treating your vocals wrong. And I'm sorry, I'm trying to make just five. So just like with kick drum, there's a whole bunch of ways to get your vocals wrong. But one of the biggest ones is, just like kick drum, not making them a primary featured instrument. That's number one. They are usually the loudest or second loudest instrument in the mix. Very occasionally, they'll be secondary level in loudness, but very often, they're pretty hot in a lot of hip-hop styles. But the other big thing around treating vocals is using the wrong kind of effects, and the wrong kind of effects for the style of hip-hop that you're going for. And I hear this especially with ad-lib tracks, background tracks, 
And one bias that people often have as newer mixers is making their hip hop vocals too wet. There's too much delay or reverb on them, short delays or regular reverbs with too much high frequency on them. If you listen to your favorite sounding vocals on your favorite sounding hip hop records, you'll be surprised about how dry many of them are. And again, this is like a 70% of the time kind of thing. There are exceptions to this. There are more pop styles of hip hop where you do start to get a little bit more in the way of traditional pop vocal effects on lead rap vocals. But most of the time on a lot of great sounding records, they're drier than a lot of beginning mixers and producers expect them to be. There are some exceptions to this, but I'd say that on amazing sounding major hip hop releases, 70-80% of the time, the vocals are drier than you might expect, whereas on kind of more amateur, beginner, hobbyist mixes, 70-80% of the time, the vocals are maybe a bit wetter than you'd expect. So start thinking about that balance and really get to hearing and listening to your favorite records in your room. But simply having your vocals loud enough and in hip-hop compressed and limited enough so that they're really stable and not overdoing it with effects in an amateur way, that's going to get you a long way towards having really impressive sounding hip-hop records. Make sure your kick drum sounds awesome. Make sure your vocal sounds awesome. And this brings us to number four, which is snare drum. Not taking enough time for good sample selection for your snare drum. This is the other most important element in hip-hop, usually just behind kick and vocal. And it's often another one of these character pieces in a hip-hop mix. And you, again, just like with kick drums, want to start thinking about stealing as many snare samples as you can off records you love, even non-isolated ones, to just listen to them and understand what they really sound like and what they tend to sound like across different styles. Again, like with vocals, 70-80% of the time, snares might be a little bit drier than you'd expect on a lot of big commercial releases, and they might be a little bit wetter on a lot more of the kind of hobbyist and amateur releases. But there are different kinds of snares. There are dark and distant snares that might have a little bit of a dark kind of reverb on them, helping set them back in the mix. They're really tight, forward-sounding snares that have a lot of crack and very little sustain. But the snare drum is one of those places where you can really get a sonic signature for a record. And just settling for any old snare sample usually isn't going to do it. But I will tell you that the norm in hip-hop is for kicks to be a little bit on the big, fat, bottom-heavy and dark side, while snares tend to be on the crisp and cracky and bright side. And that dichotomy between a kick that's even darker and lower than you'd expect it to be, and a snare that's even tighter and crackier than you'd expect it to be, that kind of dichotomy you find in a lot of hip-hop records. And trying to do what you can to accentuate that is often going to help the groove of the track significantly. And now, number five. And this one is basically going to be a recap of so much of the stuff that we've just discussed. And that is 
getting your order of priorities right or wrong in a hip-hop track is what's going to separate the great-sounding ones from the kind of amateurish and mediocre-sounding ones. You want to have a clear vision most of the time in hip-hop about what's most important and what are supporting elements. And we started to talk about that a little bit already through this episode. The most important thing on most hip-hop records your tier one instruments that you're trying to keep other things out of the way of are usually going to be kick drum and vocals, most styles, with snare being slightly secondary to those two main things. And then right behind it, your other tier two instrument is often a main supporting sample. So you've got kick and vocal, snare and main supporting element as being your primary elements and your secondary elements and everything else, their job is to add interest while staying out of the way. And here is one of the big secrets in hip-hop mixing. The way that you make a kick drum sound so big and a vocal sound so big and the way that you make a snare really prominent and the way that you make that really intriguing primary sample so interesting is that everything else doesn't matter as much. And as a mixer, you recognize that everything else doesn't matter as much. And their main job is to stay out of the way of those primary elements and to make those primary elements sound even bigger by just being there for support. This means that a lot of other little elements that may be in there in the production, some extra odd percussion, a whole bunch of synths or guitar lines that may happen throughout the course of this record, they may want to be a little bit darker, set a little bit further back, maybe a little bit more mono instead of panned way out to the sides, doing things to tuck them back. Because the more contrast you have, the bigger your big elements sound. If you want your big elements to sound huge, you make your smaller elements sound smaller. And that is one of the main key secrets to impressive sounding hip-hop records. You don't want to take your mix and turn it into this indistinct soup where you take everything the beat maker gave you and make it all equally loud at all times. No, that is a recipe for having uninteresting, not very powerful sounding kick drums and snares and vocals and main samples. It's your job as a mixer to prioritize things based on what's most important in enhancing the groove and feel of the track. And there's going to be cases where everything I just told you is kind of wrong, right? There's going to be these 20% of cases where, you know what, it's not the kick drum that should be super loud, or the vocal actually wants to feel a little bit smaller than it does in other hip-hop tracks, or the hi-hat is really important in this track and almost wants to be a little bit dominant over the snare drum, or this just isn't a kick-driven track. It's a more of a bass and hi-hat-driven track. Those exceptions will happen. But as long as you're thinking about it in this way of what are my main priorities and then what are my secondary priorities and then what are my supporting elements, part of whose job is to make my main priorities sound big and awesome, if you're thinking that way and you're listening to a lot of great records in your room, your chances of making good choices and making great sounding hip-hop mixes is going to go up dramatically. This overall framework, way of thinking about approaching hip-hop mixes, is so much more important than any little trick you might hear about eh, putting distortion on your 808s in parallel, or whatever it is. 
yeah, all that stuff is fine. And you do want to find ways to make, say, your kick drum not just speak in the very bottom and maybe adding parallel distortion and not having your kick drums rely only on bottom will make them be heard across a wider variety of systems. And there's all sorts of little tricks we can give. But all of those little tricks don't do you any good until you have a framework for thinking about how do I organize a hip-hop mix What's the most important? What are the things I should be focusing on achieving? Where should I be spending my time? And that's what today's episode was all about. If you want a whole bunch of tips and tricks, we got a whole bunch of those for free on this channel. We've got a whole bunch of them in our full-length courses like mixing breakthroughs and compression breakthroughs where we crack open EQs and saturators and compressors and all that stuff and work on tracks together. But for today, I hope that this gives you a overall strategy and conceptual framework that's going to help improve your hip-hop mixing immediately starting right now. Let me know in the comments down below what mistakes have you been making on hip-hop records. Are there any mistakes that you've heard or seen again and again that you want to bring up? Let me know in the comments down below or shoot me an email over podcast at sonicscoop.com. I do read every one that comes in and I respond when I can if you want to go even deeper with me, we do have those full-length courses, mixing breakthroughs, compression breakthroughs, mastering demystified. I do coaching calls with clients and I work as a mastering engineer. So if you want to go deeper, reach out. You know where to find me. Thanks for making it this far in this episode. Since you did, I want to give you something totally free from this week's branded sponsor, which is GPU Audio. They are giving away a whole suite of plugins that run off of the GPU on your computer. Check them out over at gpu.audio slash sonicscoop. That's gpu.audio slash sonicscoop. You can right now get free early access to a Convolution Reverb, and very shortly you'll be a whole suite early access free plugins over at gpu.audio slash sonicscoop for a limited time, so go check it out now. Also, if you want to try out some of my favorite mixing effects totally for free, go over to soundtoys.com where you can try out all the plugins they make for free for 30 days at soundtoys.com. Last but not least, quick shout out and thanks to Focusrite. They made the lovely Claret interface I'm speaking into right now. And if you get any of their interfaces, it comes with the whole Hitmaker expansion bundle, which offers a ton of great plugins, channel strips for mixing and mastering, tuning software for vocals, great reverb, amp simulator, virtual drums, and a whole bunch more. Check them out at focusrite.com. Thanks for hanging out for this week's episode of the Sonic Scoop podcast. This has been Justin Coletti of Sonic Scoop. See you next time. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.